But let's now uh, turn our hearts to hearing the Lord's word preached. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1 this evening. And we'll be looking at verses 26 through 27. And so as you turn to this, let's now turn to our time together. So Apple strives to bring the best personal computing experience to students, educators, creative professionals, and consumers around the world through its innovative hardware software, and internet offerings. So this is Apple's mission statement. Uh, this is Apple's mission statement as a company. And so if you're, you're here this evening and you are an Android user, uh, even Apple's mission statement is better than your phone. <laughs> Today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day of salvation. Come to Apple. Do not harden your heart <laughs> this evening. Nah, nah. In all, in all seriousness, if you have an Android, we love you. Praying for you, but we love you. Uh, <laughs> so that was Apple's mission statement. Uh, or another mission statement that I'm familiar with, uh, especially during my time at the YMCA in North Carolina. Uh, let me see if I still remember it by heart. So it was to put Christian principles into practice through programs that build healthy spirit, mind, and body for all. So when I worked at the YMCA in North Carolina, uh, that was our mission statement as an organization. And there are plenty other uh, mission statements that I'm familiar with and I'm sure you all are familiar with. Uh, maybe your job has a mission statement or maybe uh, different churches that uh, you were a part of or are a part of now uh, has a mission statement. So what is a mission statement? Well, straight from Google, how Google defines it is that it's a formal summary of the aims and values of a company an organization, or an individual. Once again, a formal summary of the aims and values of a company, organization, or individual. So this is what a mission statement is. And so if you haven't caught on already, we will be discussing our mission statement today, this evening, uh, as a church, as we continue in our sermon series on our mission and vision. Uh, called Faithful in Ordinary Things. And so Faithful in the Ordinary Things. And so by a brief way of recap, here's where we've been so far. And so we were posted up in Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 41 through 47. And so the first week we looked at verse 41 and discussed what the gospel is. So what the good news of the gospel is and its primacy in the preaching and teaching and every aspect of our church. And so we talked about the first week that the gospel is primary, that it's essential to everything uh, as to who we are and what we do as a local church. Then the second week, we looked at verses 42 through 43, and we discussed the importance of being faithful in our devotion to fellowship. So we, during that time, we talked about the importance and the gift 
of every opportunity we have to fellowship, right? So opportunities like we're doing now as we're gathered as a local church, uh, Fellowship Friday events. Uh, we have one coming up later this month. Uh, Bible study, prayer gatherings, and, and other rhythms as a church. And then organically, how you all as a church body already get together and fellowship in the ways that you all do. And so we talked about the importance and really the gift of that. That it's really a gift to be able to come together as a people of God. And so then the third week of the series, we looked at how we as a church must maintain our unity with one another from verses 44 through 47. So that's where we uh, ended our time there uh, in talking about the unity uh, that the early church shared and, and how they also displayed that. And then also how even Brother Brock was praying, but even thinking about how, um, man, we see the early church doing this and how the church has been doing this throughout history and throughout now, that the church was there for one another and that they were seeking to meet the needs within the local body, but then also seeking to meet the needs outside of the body. And so we talked about that and we talked about how that's our vision as a church, that we desire to be a church that's in the community, for the community, for the gospel's sake. Amen? Amen? And so that's what we talked about in the third week. And so if you weren't here and you would like to peep those, let me encourage you. Or if you, you know, were here and you would like to peep them again, let me encourage you to just visit our website at congresscommunitychurch.org. And you'll be able to find our previous sermons there and most recent sermons as well as they are posted. But this evening, we're going to start the first sermon of three on our mission statement. All right. So this is the first sermon of three uh, on our mission statement. And so I don't want to I want to embarrass anyone by asking. You probably all already know it. Most of you already know it, I'm sure. Uh, but I don't want to ask by a show of hands how many people know our mission statement by heart. Uh, hopefully we'll all know it by heart by the end of this series. And so here's the first part. All right. Here's the first part of our mission statement. Right. Is that we exist to glorify God. So that's the first part of our mission statement is that we exist to glorify God. And so as I've already uh, asked, uh, if you have a Bible, please turn. If you haven't already or scroll there in your mobile device or whatever um, to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. So we'll be there. We'll be camping out there for the, for the bulk of this time. But we'll also look at uh, another passage as well. And so as you turn there or scroll there, let me ask God for his help. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I come before you uh, this evening asking God that you would uh, glorify your word, that you would glorify your son in this time uh, as we hear from your word. God, would your word do the work in our hearts? Uh, would you uh, use it to uh, convict, to encourage, to shape, to edify? in all the ways you see fit. Would you do that, we pray, and be magnified. Use me, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Genesis 1, starting with verse 26, reads as follows. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is God's word. Amen. So if you're taking notes this evening, here's the main idea for our time this evening. And it's this is that we were all made for the glory of God and to glorify God. So. We were all made for the glory of God and to glorify God. And I just have two points, and then I'm out your way this evening. Two points this evening. So here they are, point one. Uh, we exist, right? So it's the first part of our mission statement. So we exist, and we'll see that from Genesis 1, Genesis 2, 28. And point two, to glorify God. And we'll see that also in the same passage, and then also in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So point one, we exist Point two, to glorify God. So point one, we exist. Look back with me at Genesis 1, 26a, and it reads, it says, Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So a brief context on the book of Genesis. Uh, context just means yeah, like author and setting and different things along those lines. So brief context on the book of Genesis that is that Moses is the author. And this book tells us where everything came from and where everything got its start, right? So you want to think about, man, where did everything come from? Where did everyone come from? Well, the book of Genesis tells us. It maps that out. And it tells us that everything was created by God. Everything was created by God. Look at Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. So the Bible lets us know off gate that there is one God who created everything. And he is the only person who can make sense of everyone and everything. Right. So if you believe that this evening then everything else in the Bible and in our world will make sense. Doesn't mean we won't have questions and your questions are welcome here. But if you believe that and you've started off well and you, um, yeah, you have started off well in thinking rightly about uh, who God is and what God has done and who you are in light of that. And so you continue to read verses 3 through 25 of chapter 1, and you'll see that God spoke things into existence. He spoke it, and it came to be. So just think about that for a second. God speaking. Man, our omnipotent God speaking, and it came to be. Genesis 1 tells us that there is one God, and that this one God created all things, including Humanity, including human beings, us and every human. But something amazing that I want you to see or to think about here in this passage is that uh, when God created humanity, 
Notice in verse 26a, you see that? What does it say? It says, then God said, right? Just like how he said. And when you think about uh, night and day, he spoke it and it was so. Well, in verse 26, he said, it says, then God said, but I want you to notice something that in speaking, he still fulfilled his word. He was still faithful to his word. His word uh, never comes back void. He still was, uh, he honored what he said he would do, but instead of speaking us, humanity into existence, we were instead fashioned or formed by the creator himself. So someone needed just to hear that this evening, that God created you, that you were not a mistake, uh, that he didn't make any mistakes when he created you. This is the God of the universe who formed you, who fashioned you. So listen to how intentional and attentive to detail our God is and how unique God's creating of you and me really was. Listen to uh, Genesis 2, uh, 5 through 8. And so it says this, if you want to turn there, just uh, turn over to Genesis 2 so you can see that with me. It says in verse 5, uh, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man, you see that word formed, the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. You see that? That he, he formed man. He fashioned man. So God formed the man of dust from the ground and then breathed life into him. Breathed into his nostrils the very breath of life and the man became a living creature. Then God in his grace and in his goodness and care knew that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So what did he do? He created a woman from man. And so bear with me as I read some, some more verses just to kind of set the, the tone and set the pace of our time. Uh, but listen to Genesis 2, 15 through 24. Here's what it says. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die, right? Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed, the, formed every beast, excuse me, every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man. Excuse me, bear with me brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. 
and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Man, there's so much that we get from just these two passages. So much, so, so much rich truth and teaching. The God of the universe created you and me. We see that very clear in these passages that the God of the universe intentionally uh, and uh, attentive to detail created us. We also see in this last passage that I read in particular that God instituted marriage between a man and a woman. You may be here this evening and you're not married. And I don't know what the will of the Lord is for you pertaining to marriage. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, but God does. I do know another implication from this passage is that God didn't make you to be alone. He didn't make you to be alone. He desires for you to be in community with other believers. So that is another implication that we can take away from this is that God created us for community. I mean, think about it. Did you even notice that God is in community with the Godhead? God is Trinity, right? So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit created us. That's what we see in Genesis 1.26, right? Look back at verse 26. Uh, notice that the word us and our in this passage is in the plural. So this means that all three persons of the Trinity were involved in creating humanity. And not just humanity. Uh, we see this here and in other places of scripture, but, it, but not just humanity, but the entire world and everything else. Think with me about John chapter one, verses one through three. What does it say? It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So we know that the word in this passage is, is referring to the Lord Jesus, as John tells us in verse 14. So in verse 14, it reads as follows. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So the son was in the beginning with the father. And he was involved in creation. This text makes it clear that nothing that was made uh, wasn't made through. It was all made through him. Genesis 1, 1 through 2 lets us know that the father and the spirit were present in the beginning and active in creation as well. Uh, look at Genesis 1. We read Genesis 1, 1, but look at it again with me and look at verse 2 as well. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of 
the waters. So we see here in Genesis 1, 1 through 2, in Genesis 1, 26 to 27, uh, in John 1, 1 through 3 that we just read, that all three persons of the Trinity were at work in creation, and in particular in creating us and every human being. And there are many other places we could go, but I'll, I'll stop there for now. Here's, here's what I'm saying is that God is in community with himself and he desires that we be in community too. He created us for that very purpose. And that very purpose brings glory to him. And so I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let me, let me uh, back up a little bit. But, but that is what God has created us for. And that glorifies him. And so in verse 26a, Something else uh, that I want you to notice that is very important, that is essential to who you are. So lean in and hear me when I say this. When God made you and me, he made you to have worth and dignity and purpose and identity that is only, and hear this, and truly found in him. So that is only and truly found in him. So please hear me when I say this, family. No one or nothing else can define you. No one or nothing else can define you or me. Your worth, your dignity, your purpose, and identity was created by and defined by the God of the universe. That is mind-blowing, if you think about it. The God of the universe created you. This is what we are seeing here in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. That the God of the universe created us in his image after his likeness. And in doing so, has granted male and female the same worth, the same dignity, the same purpose, and identity in him alone. So we all have identity struggles. We all have identity struggles. For me, it started when I was born. It started when I was born. And so my upbringing as a, a child, um, I didn't know it then, but, but definitely know it now that uh, a lot of my uh, decision. I mean, even think about like think about peer pressure, right? You know, you think about peer pressure. You think about um, yeah, wanting to be accepted by people. Um, definitely struggle with that. Uh, can continue to struggle with that. Uh, wanting to be accepted. Fear of man. And I would say, man, middle school. Uh, Y'all remember middle school? I know there's one middle schooler here uh, as well. But so middle school and high school. Just thinking about man, how. During that time, I was just chasing after a false identity. And I think because of me chasing after a false identity, so let me back up a little bit. So my mom passed when I was 13. And so when she passed, uh, I was already kind of hanging around the wrong crowd before she passed. When she passed, I just started wilding out. And so from 13 to 19, I was in the streets. 
I was, was selling drugs, I was doing drugs, I was fighting often, I was hanging around everybody, I was in the trap, I mean, I was just getting it in. And I was chasing after a false identity. That wasn't something that I grew up doing. I grew up playing ball, and I was still playing ball while I was doing those things too. But I grew up playing ball and, and grew up going to church and was, was enticed by what I thought to be life. What I thought meant life. When I saw the, 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 the old heads, you know what I'm saying, rolling dice, you know what I mean, at the court when we hooping, um, and, and, you know, the, the girls and all these different things, like, I, I thought when I saw that, I was like, man, like, that's what it means to be a man. I was, I was looking to them, and I was, I was finding my identity, finding and chasing after an identity that was really not the true identity that I needed to be chasing. And I know we're all here, and we all can have similar stories, similar to that. Once again, praise be to God, though, that God is the only one that can define us. He is the only one that uh, has given us true identity and worth and purpose. No one else and nothing else. Maybe, maybe for some of us, we've been finding our identity in a relationship or a relationship that we don't have at the moment. Maybe we've been finding our identity in our work. And so we, 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 we work, 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 work. And that's what we do. And in some ways, we have found our identity if, in the sense that if we're not working, we don't, we don't know what else to do with ourselves. Maybe we found our identity in our children. Maybe we found our identity in our families. Maybe we find our identity in X, Y, and Z. The list can go on and on and on and on. And hear me when I say this. These things aren't essentially different things that I mentioned aren't bad things. But what happens to us, family, is that when we take a good thing and we make it a God thing, it becomes an idol. And we worship it. And we find our identity in it. And we, we think, because it's not true, we think that without that, we aren't anything. I'm here to let you know this evening, fam, that that's not true. That you are all of who God has created you to be. And that we need to set our eyes on him in his word and be reminded that our identity, our worth, our purpose, everything is found in him. It was designed by him. Amen. So this is what it means to be made in the image of God and after his likeness that our identity is in him. One other one other thought real briefly, and it's not in my notes. I had it in my notes, but I, I, I want to tease this out a little bit, is that there are ways in which we are like God. Right. We're not God. Right. And so we need to dispel that false teaching that we human beings uh, have created, have been created to be little gods. It's not true. But there are ways in which we are like God. And so scholars, uh, they call it these two words. It's, it's 
communicable and incommunicable attributes. And what that means is, so incommunicable means that uh, only God and only God alone possesses these particular attributes, right? So you think about uh, omnipresence, right? That's an incommunicable attribute that only God himself possesses, meaning that only God can be everywhere at one time. We try to be sometimes, but we can't. Only God can be everywhere at one time, right? Something that is communicable is that when you think about justice, like for us, you know what I mean? When we think about justice, when we, when we see uh, the, the hurts and, and, and wrongs of, let's say, like abuse or let's say of racism or things along those lines, any, anything along those lines, and we desire to see justice. And when we think about uh, young girls getting shot in our community, different things along those lines, because God is about justice, because he's a just God and he is about justice, he's made us to dislike. Like we hate seeing these things happen in our community. Right? We hate seeing women mistreated in ways that are undignified and things along, like that's not how it should be. And that was not God's intent. These things have come post-fall, right? Pre-fall, these things weren't God's intent. And so when we think about that, God has given us, uh, yeah, when we think about he has made us in his image, after his likeness, there are ways that we are like him, but, but he alone is God. And he is in his own category in and of itself. Amen? But the beauty of it is that we were made to mirror God. That's what we see here. We were made to be walking billboards of his glory. We were made to worship God. That is why you and I exist. To worship God. To glorify God. Man, there's, 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 there's so much more that can be said here. I wish we had more time, but I, but I got to move. I got to move. So, so point one, we exist and we exist, point number two, to glorify God. What's, what's beautiful about uh, when we think about uh, we don't just exist for existence sake. And that's what's, what's beautiful about it is that we don't just exist for existence sake. But our existence has a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify God. It's to glorify God. So what does it mean to glorify God? Well, the word glorify means to, to make or to render glorious. When you think about God, he's God. He's beautiful. He's majestic. He's glorious. When it means to what it means to glorify God, he's already glorious, but, but uh, what it means to glorify him is to, to make, to, to render him glorious. So every person saved or unsaved, because we are all image bearers, displays God's glory. So once again, saved or unsaved displays God's glory. We were all created in the image of God. Look back at verse 28 with me. And it says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea 
and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we exist because God and in his goodness gave us a mandate to reproduce. And so this is meant in the context of marriage, though. That God, in his goodness, gave humanity a mandate, and that was to reproduce. And we were made to image him all throughout the world. And so when we think about reproducing, when we think about uh, having children, is, is that, man, uh, every, every child, every human being made to image God all throughout the world. Made to image him. So this is who we are at our core of our identities. Made for the glory of God. Made to image him. Made to be walking billboards of his glory. So as we continue on, let's, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 10.31 now. As we think about our purpose in glorifying God. So once again, we exist... We were made for the glory of God to glorify God. So 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Once again, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we were made for the glory of God and to glorify God. This is what we've been seeing in both of these passages briefly this evening. And I mean, the will of God couldn't be more crystal clear for all of us in this verse, I believe. Do everything all to the glory of God. But something that I want to be very careful and clear on is that this isn't a license to sin. Okay? So Paul here and in other places of scripture, we see that God's will for us is not to sin. So this doesn't mean live it up, sin it up. God will be glorified in it all. That's not, that's not the idea here. What this is saying is that when you eat, as long as it's not sinful, when we think about uh, abstaining from gluttony, and when you drink, as long as it's not sinful, i.e. being a drunkard, although I also believe Paul here is referring to just normal drinking beverages here. And in everything that you do, as long as it's not sinful, do it to the glory of God. Because you were made for and to that end. So as Christians... We are called to glorify God in our personal lives, our families, our jobs, our friendships, our dating relationships. And the list goes on and on and on. And I don't want to act as if I have that all together or that I'm perfect in that. No, I'm not. And none of us here are. I'm just like every other Christian here, a sinner saved by God's grace. So if that's you this evening, as a Christian, you too have that same identity that you are a sinner saved by God's grace. But the reality of it is, is when we think about before we knew the Lord, 
We were all at one point seeking to glorify ourselves. I mean, that's, that's when we think about what happened in the garden, uh, is that what did, what did the serpent tell Eve? That, that they could be like who? They could be like God. The pride, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, all these different things. I mean, like, you can be like God. You can, you can rule. You can have dominion. And if we're not careful as Christians, if we're not careful, we can still seek to glorify ourselves now. So that's something we got to consistently and constantly kill on a daily basis. As the Bible calls us to die to self. And so not seeking to glorify self, but seeking to crucify self. As that's what Jesus has called us to do on a daily basis. But if you're here this evening and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian or you're struggling in your walk, um, maybe... There's an element to it that you're not living in the attendant purpose that God has called you to. So if you're not a Christian this evening, you are an image bearer. That's true. That's true of every unbeliever on the face of the earth. Image bearers made in the image of God after him but not living in the intended purpose that God has given you. So what is that intended purpose? Well, we've been talking about it the entire time this evening is that you were made to glorify God. You were made for the glory of God and you were made to glorify God. But what has happened is that uh, when God created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, what happened is that before sin, they were chilling with God. They had peace. They had shalom. There was no sin. There was, there, was, there was no seeking to glorify self. They were worshiping God rightly for who he is and for what he has done in creating everything that they knew and even themselves. They had no concept, no category for sin. But the serpent comes and deceives. He lies. And he catches Eve and Adam off guard. And they believe the lie. And they sin. They disobey what God had commanded them to do. They disobey. And because of their disobedience, it wreaked havoc in the entire world. So every human being since then has been born a sinner, separated from God, born not being able to worship God rightly, actually wanting to worship self, wanting to fulfill sinful desires. None of us, when we were born and as we grew up, none of us had, like, nobody had to teach us how to lie. It's just in us. We just knew how to lie. Nobody had to teach us how to steal. We just wanted what someone else had or something that wasn't ours. Born with the propensity to sin. All of us separated from God, deserving 
God's righteous judgment due to sinners, which is death. The penalty, death, death in hell, which would then mean eternal separation from God. But thanks be to God that he sends Jesus, who is God, to come. The incarnate God comes. He lives a perfect, sinless life. So where Adam and Eve fell, uh, Jesus didn't. Where, where Adam and Eve disobeyed, Jesus fully obeyed. Where, where Adam and Eve uh, displaced their worship, Jesus completely and perfectly and fully worshiped God. And he lived a perfect sinless life. And he goes to the cross willingly and willfully for our sin. This is God going to the cross to pay the penalty that we <laughs> deserve. Taking our place. Dying the death that we deserve. And he's buried. He's raised from the dead on the third day. Conquering death, conquering Satan, conquering sin, and uh, ascends and, and, and shows himself to the believers, proving that he was God, proving that he had beaten all of the enemies, and offering life, offering salvation to all who would repent and turn to him in faith. Repent just means to turn away from sin. Turn away from uh, worshiping false idols. Turn away from worshiping self. Uh, turn away from all of the sin that God hates. And turn to him by faith, by trusting, by believing only in what Jesus has done for you. And the Bible says when you do that, you will be saved. You will be forgiven. You will be cleansed of all of your sin. And you can experience true worship. And then you can live in your intended purpose that God has set out for you. And that being to worship him and to live for his glory. And that's what you were made for. So if you're here this evening and you have not put your trust in Jesus, I want to plead with you to do that. To trust him. He alone is worthy of your trust. He alone is worthy of your praise. He made you to praise him. Not anything else or anyone else. So turn to him. Trust him. Believe in him. If you would like to learn more about that or if you have questions about that, we'd love to talk further about that. You can see me. You can see Amos. You can see any other believer here. And you can talk with them about what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to trust him. So this is what we were created for. So we were created uh, for the glory of God. And we were created to glorify God. And so we exist, family, toward that end. Amen? Amen. So as Amos comes back up,
and leads us in song. I just want you all to bow your heads, close your eyes. And so for Christians and non-Christians, close your eyes and just think about, because we're all imperfect. We all sin. We all struggle. We all have not lived fully and completely. Even, even, even as we came to this service this evening, not fully live into what it means to be created for the glory of God and to live for the glory of God. So I just want you to spend a moment, just a, just a brief moment, just to, just to think on that and think on the ways that you may have fallen short in that. Jesus, I pray. Amen.